Rich and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, happy Saturday, everybody. It's Arizona Sports Saturday. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch Vareldis with you on this lovely weekend. Thanks for spending part of it with us. We're going to be talking a lot of baseball today as the trade deadline in MLB is just days away. Oh, that's weird. I thought it was because you're working on Immaculate Grid right now. I am working on the Immaculate Grid. I'm going to work on that in the commercial break, though, I promise. So I will I will say right now, to so all of the Immaculate Grid fans out there, this one's a toughie. You got you to <laughs> you really know your baseball for one of these particular uh, squares today. It's, it's brutal. Uh, so let's kind of kick it off with this. Last night, I was at the Diamondbacks game. First game of a three-game series against the Seattle Mariners at Chase Field. Pivotal before series. the Diamondbacks go back on the road. Pivotal because the series. last road trip went so well. Um, <laughs> to kind of paint the picture, and not not just na- last night, because last night it was already 4 nothing by the time I got to my seat. So it kind of felt like that game was over before it even got started. That's always a good sign. Um because I'm pulling into the parking garage last night, and all I hear is Greg Schulte going, that's a double, that's another double, that's one more double. And I'm like, run okay, well, we're already <laughs> kind of out of this. Um, but it kind of paints the picture of what this team has done since the All-Star break. 3-10, and ten, certainly not what you expected or hoped for. Hold on, just say that again. Since the All-Star break, they're how? 3-10. Three and ten. the record? Three, three wins, ten losses. Three. Yeah. And it's not like they were doing so hot going into the all-star break to begin with but kind of they they took two or three from the pirates the the last game of the series was kind of a dud but man three and ten out of the break two of those they got swept but it's just weird because they took two out of three from atlanta in atlanta and here's the frustration part of it for me at least because we'll put it in context of the trade deadline and what do you decide to do yeah no team should be making that decision like philosophically about the deadline based on any individual game but when you have a sample size of the last two weeks or if you want to add in the week before the trade deadline the diamondbacks are trending the wrong direction and you could call it uh a readjustment to reality. Maybe you think they overachieved. I think they overachieved early uh, in the season. Regression to the means might right. be the phrase. Right. So that's okay. That's okay. It's just that it set this expectation. I was talking with a friend of ours last night um, that you and I both know, and huge Diamondbacks fan, and he said flat out, this team should not do anything at the trade deadline. And I'm starting to get that sense from more and more fans. This team isn't ready to contend, so why would we go and give up a bunch of prospects that maybe could help us in the next couple of years to potentially get a guy who's going to be a short-term rental? Well, here's the immediate answer. Are you going to be this good next year if you're starting to falter now? You never know. So you might as well capitalize on the now as opposed to be hopeful of next year. I mean, that's just it. Since Mike Hazen, and I'm not saying this is purely on Mike Hazen, but let's just call it what it is in this Mike Hazen era, this Mike Hazen, Tory Lovello era. They've been really good, and then they've been okay. And then they've been better, but then they got way worse again. And then they were really, really worse. And then they got significantly better to the point that we were thinking, hey, they might be a sneaky wildcard team heading into this year. Well, guess what? They're a sneaky wildcard team right now albeit a game out of the wild card, but it is very much in their possession. Is that going to be the same next year? Because I'll tell you. You never know. Look at the teams that are underperforming the Diamondbacks right now. And obvious one, one of them is in their division. The San Diego Padres, who are now four games under five they They've won six of their last ten. 
They have a plus 57 run differential. So the record doesn't necessarily line up with how well their offense and their pitching has been this year. How about the New York Mets? 49 and 54 this year. How about the St. Louis Cardinals? 46 and 59. Do you have any reason to believe that those three teams are going to struggle again the way they did this year, next year? Probably not. They're probably going to be better. Then this would probably be be the year that the Diamondbacks should make the most of their opportunity. Because I don't know if it's going to get any better next year than it is right now, the way they're playing. And you know what? That's a fair argument. And I appreciate you for making it. I don't necessarily 100% agree that that's the strategy you should go with. But here's where I'm at if I'm the Diamondbacks. A month ago, I'm probably looking at trading for some big name players. I'm probably calling on Marcus Stroman, a top 10 player you in the You were in this first year. place in the West. Of course you're calling on I'm names, probably right? calling on Corbin Burns, even though now we know he's not going to be available. They're he's in first probably place. Probably not going anywhere. No. Uh, a month ago I'm calling on Shane Bieber, who's now on the 60-day IL. So you see none of these are happening now, but a month ago these are the conversations the Diamondbacks were probably having. Mm-hmm. Maybe even you're talking about somebody who's like a shorter term, like a rental but is unbelievably talented like a Bellinger or something like that but now here you are with the context of what happened over the last two to three weeks and that this team just can't catch a break right now the offense slowed down tremendously Merrill Kelly missed a bunch of time your rotation was 80% rookies for a hot minute and so you're probably looking at that now the philosophy in my mind is shifted to okay what short-term rental guys complimentary guys can we add to this organization that won't break the bank for us we won't have to give up jordan lawler our top prospect and a super prospect we won't have to give up drew jones we drafted in the first round last year we won't have to give up brandon fought uh, who is their top pitching prospect despite the fact that he hasn't had a lot of success in his three stints in the major leagues I think they're probably looking at ways to add to this team without subtracting dramatically from their prospect pool. Well, so I was asking you before the show, I pulled up the Diamondbacks, according to MLB.com, their top 30 prospects. We don't need to name all the names, but I just listed off everybody that is their top 10. Right. Right. So that's Jordan Lawler, Drew Jones, Brandon Fott, Blake Walston is in there, Blaze Alexander is in there. I just gave you the top 10. And you said you would be willing, depending on what they would be trading for, obviously, Yeah, you would be willing to give up anywhere between half to seven of those guys, yeah, right? Yeah, I think there's probably three names that I don't want to give up. That's Lawler, that's Drew Jones, and that's Brandon Fought. But would I for the right player? Absolutely. Absolutely I would. Even any of those three. I would give up any of the top ten for the right package. It's just there's so many possibilities of what that could mean. Well, plenty. But I don't want to give up Lawler. Look, I wouldn't give up a top three prospect if I'm only getting a guy for two months. That's for sure. And I know Brandon Fott is becoming the wild card in that sort of a conversation because the asking price for a guy like Jordan Montgomery apparently seems high. And it should but that, be. But that's also because the starting pitcher market is shrinking and he might be the best left-handed pitcher available now that the Padres are not giving up on Blake Snell. Right. So it, the market adjusts as the season goes on. Here's where I'm concerned, Steve. And the reason why I say if you're going to pounce, do it now. Or if you're going to make the most of it, do it now. Currently, the Diamondbacks have a plus two run differential. Their expected win-loss by that run differential is 52 and 52. Hmm. If you want a realistic statistic, well, I've got one there for you too. 
against teams that are better than 500 when they played against them. So like the Mariners last night were above 500 when they played them. They are 28 and 33 this year. And I imagine most of those losses have come in recent days because they've played the Blue Jays, who are above 500. They lost one to the Braves, who are definitely above 500. Best team in the National League. They got swept by the Reds, who were most certainly and still are above 500 when they played them. And we said, what, 3-10 and 10 out of the break? Right. If 10 of those losses came against teams above 500... You're starting to get a better idea of how this team is performing during the year, don't well, you think? Yeah, but also, too, keep in mind, the Diamondbacks' schedule is one of the hardest in baseball the rest in the of the way. In the second half, yes. So if that's the way things are going now against some of the better teams in baseball... How are they going to go in August? Uh, and that's all I'm saying. And it doesn't mean they can't turn things around. Here's another part of the equation, too, is the pieces you already have are underperforming. Very much so. So going and adding another player via trade is great and all, and it should provide a boost, but you got to turn some of the guys you have on your roster around, too. Lourdes Gurriel is hitting, I think, 183 since May 23rd. He was one of the best players in the game of baseball in the month of May, but since then, the last two months, he's been atrocious. He was an all-star. And so for that reason, you have to figure out, and, and I'll mention this in a broader context, too. I think that the Diamondbacks have a Gurriel question they need answered. There's actually two questions, but one of them is his contract. Lourdes Gurriel, you got in exchange for Dalton Varsho. You also got Gabby Moreno, um, who has certainly turned out pretty good. Trade despite has paid the fact off pretty well right for now. the Diamondbacks. Yeah, but Gurriel is a free agent at the end of the season. And while I think a lot of fans would love to have him back, he's a great guy. He's a good clubhouse guy. He's a good player. He went to the All-Star game. You don't do that without being a good player. Sure. Unless you're Jake Lamb. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Actual drive-by. I'll never, goodness. I'll never miss a chance to take a shot at Jake oh, Lamb. Wow! Uh, but Lourdes Gurriel has struggled mightily. So you have the question of what do we do with him from a contractual standpoint? Like, can we re-sign him? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's a double-edged sword. The better he does as a player, the rest of the way, the harder he is to re-sign. But also, the better we do as a team. So it's a double-edged sword there. And then the other question you have around Gurriel is: Do we need to go and acquire another right-handed hitting outfielder? To compete with him to light a fire under his butt. Is he feeling a little too comfortable out there? And I'm not saying that he's got some high and mighty attitude. That's not the point here. It's just that he's been the only primary right-handed hitting outfielder they've had because Kyle Lewis got mysteriously ill for the first couple of months of the season. Mm -hmm. And they haven't really had that other right-handed hitting outfielder. Corbin Carroll, left-handed. Jake McCarthy, left-handed. Alec Thomas, left-handed. Dominic Canzone, left-handed. Dominic Fletcher, left-handed. Paven Smith, left-handed. Do they need to go and get another right-handed hitting outfielder to compete with Gurriel and kind of send a message to him like, hey, you're not just going to be hitting cleanup every day if you're hitting 183? I think generally speaking, if this team was under 500 and they were the one that are several games out of a wild card spot right now, Gurriel is an easy move target because of all the reasons that you just listed. But right now, I don't think moving off of Gurriel makes you a better team for the final two months of the season. I get it. There's right. like the business side of it. But generally speaking, I don't think that's a move that the Diamondbacks would make to make their team better. You should be adding, not subtracting. Exactly. But they've got some questions to answer there around that particular player. All right, coming up, let's get more deep dive into the MLB trade deadline. What names are the Diamondbacks possibly looking at? Who's even available in this seller's market? It's wild. We'll talk about it next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local.
local sports leader. Look, we have had that. It was Fernando Rodney. Um, and we had that and we had that next year with, with Archie Bradley for the next couple of years. So we have had that. Uh, but I understand what you're asking. And, and yeah, look, the, the bullpen for us to up, you know, be able to take chances to upgrade the back end of our bullpen, yeah, we're gonna do that. I think everybody's looking to do that this time of year. Um, some some teams look to do it in multiples if they can. We're gonna we're gonna that is an area that we are focused on. That's Diamondbacks general manager Mike Hazen earlier this week. It'll also be the one and only time, Steve, that he speaks before this trade deadline hits on Tuesday, 3 p.m. Arizona time. Welcome back into Arizona Sports Saturday. We're here in the Auction Community Studios. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch Vareldis, Trevor Henry back with us behind the glass. And the focus of a closer in particular in that soundbite there from Mike Hazen. And he did acknowledge that... Closer has been an area that he has addressed in the past. He mentioned Fernando Rodney, of course, in very recent memory, Mark Melanson, although that one, it went the way that it did. Addressed is a weird way to put it. He, he paid, They've tried to address it. He paid big money for a guy that led the league in saves the prior year. I think that's addressing it, or at least attempting it didn't to. didn't work, though. So here's the situation now. Who is their closer? That's a rhetorical question. We have no idea who Some guy named is. Committee. <laughs> is, he, is he related to cash considerations? <laughs> well, I can tell you this much. Uh, <laughs> I went back the other day to look at when was the last time a team won the World Series with a closer by committee? You Oof. could make the argument. So you're a Giants fan. Yes. Uh, you could make the argument that the Sergio Romo, I mean, they have three, Santiago Casilla they here. They three different closers in each of those World Series. Romo was the primary closer, but there were multiple guys with double-digit saves. So yeah. I guess you could call that a committee. I don't remember how they handled it in the postseason that last year. Well, the, um, Madison Bumgarner pitched five innings. Yeah, true. That's how they handled it. True. Uh, the Red Sox... I think it was in 2013, Koji Uhara seemed to be the main guy. And then there was a couple others on that team that had some saves. But, I mean, like, for the most part, you go through back the last 20 years, most teams have an established closer. And some of those teams have the same guy. I mean, Kenley Jansen's been the primary closer on a bunch of different World Series contenders. He's established himself as that. And so there's a reason teams are after those big-name bullpen arms. Part of the difficulty of this trade deadline, though, is... The reliever market and the starter market have been dramatically different. Mm-hmm. If you look at the relievers, Aroldis Chapman is really the first big one to go from Kansas City to Texas. That didn't cost Texas very much. No. Two prospects, neither of which very established or high on anybody's list. Um, Fujinami goes to the Orioles. Not much in return. Uh, David Robertson. Statistics didn't help Fujinami. <laughs> well, true. David Robertson. Uh, goes from the Mets to the Marlins. Weird in division. Couple of 20-year-olds, uh, basically. Right. So the reliever market really hasn't been that bad. So if the Diamondbacks wanted to go and get, I don't know, I'm just throwing out a name, Chicago seems willing to dish everybody. So if they want to go get Keenan well, Middleton back, well, all that might re- not cost you very much. All of the relievers that I, rooting for the Diamondbacks to go after, Chicago's already given them up. Right, right? yeah. Reynaldo Lopez went in the Lucas Giolito trade. Joe Kelly. Kendall Graveman went to yeah. the Astros. And that was probably the most significant return. The, the White Sox getting back catcher Corey Lee, who's been a top prospect for the Astros forever, but they seem set on Yiner Diaz being their next guy behind the dish. There is one guy, and he is by no means a rental. This would cost you a bit. And this is a name that Gambo has pointed out all week. David Bednar of the Pirates. So here's the situation. Hmm. If you are the Diamondbacks, 
and we kind of touched on this in the last segment, but this whole idea of do you go for it now and does it help you in the long run? This very much is a go for it now and help you in the long run type move because you will have Bednar for this year and two more years after this. Three more years. Three after more this. years after this. He's in his last arbitration year, uh, pre-arbitration year this season. Mm-hmm. So you finish up this year. So let's call that half a season, even though it's really like two months. Yeah. And then three arbitration seasons where, by the way, you're probably going to have to pay him a pretty hefty sum at some point because he is one of the best closers in the game of baseball. Back-to-back seasons as an all-star. Here's the question, though. Why would the Pirates want to give up on Bednar right now? Because you can get a great return for him. So what? I mean, you here's say, what I mean by that. Okay. Here's what I mean by that. The Pirates are a much uh, are much like the Diamondbacks in a lot of ways as an organization, where usually we can't afford to keep our homegrown talent and we have to ship them elsewhere. Yep. A la Paul Goldschmidt and several other examples. Justin Upton had to go. There were a lot of reasons Justin Upton had to go, but still, we, the idea, you get the point. Yeah. The Pirates are at a point where they realize we have to start keeping some of our players. We can't get rid of Garrett Cole. We can't get rid of Tyler Glasnow, Austin Meadows, Jamison Tyone. Are you seeing a trend here? I'm naming all the good players. Well, that's just it. They have been now, right? They extended Key Brian Hayes last year. Third baseman with great defense. The bat's getting there. Uh, They extended Brian Reynolds before uh, the start of this season. Hey, center fielder is a prime position. In I li- he's a good player. I like him. But and on deck for them not great. is a ridiculously talented shortstop who can throw 100 and hit 100 off the bat in O'Neill Cruz. David Bednar is better at what he does than both of those players they locked up. And they have three years of control over I'm not him. arguing that. And they really, I mean, it's arbitration, so you do have to pay him, but not really. I'm not arguing it. I'm just pointing out that the Pirates have been working to keep guys around longer and guys that they imagine will help them in the long run. At some point, they just got to win. But also, you don't necessarily desire a top-of-the-line closer to win if the rest of your team is bad. They have one awesome starter who I imagine they're not going to be giving up. I think they want to keep Mitch Keller, and I think they want him to be the next ace of their rotation. He's not fully there yet. He was an all-star this year, but he's had some blow-ups since then. David Bednar is the best piece on a team that doesn't necessarily need a lockdown closer right now. But if they just locked up Brian Reynolds, just locked up Key Brian Hayes, the way that you pointed out, and want to keep Mitch Keller, if they're doing all those other things, why would they get rid of one good player? Because they don't need him right now. Everybody could use a really lockdown closer. Yeah, and maybe you can get three awesome pieces in return centered around another potential top-of-the-line starter. What are those pieces? What are the Diamondbacks giving up for David Bednar? I think the conversation starts. You might hate me for this, but I think the conversation starts around Brandon Fott. Diamondbacks' top pitching prospect. And then maybe a potential one-two punch behind Mitch Keller if they develop Fott the right way. Okay, so what what else? I mean, Brandon Fott's not getting it done. Well, so if you take... He's got a 9 ERA since look, coming he, up to the Major League. He's That's their not number three ranked prospect, but he, he pitched really well against the Reds. He did. And if he pitches really well tonight against the Mariners, maybe that even ups the value a bit more because it's like, hey. Maybe. And Brent Strom, the pitching coach for the Dimebacks, talked earlier in the week about a change that he made with Fott and how it really helped him out. If we see that again tonight, if anything, it's not only a motivator for the Dimebacks, but it's a motivator for other teams to think... Oh, he might actually be worthwhile if we were to give up our top of the line closer who's got three years of control. Now, you could give up Fott. You could maybe even go a step further and tease Blaze Alexander. So prospects. Okay. 
What are they going to do? Why to are help the, the Pirates looking to add prospects when they just locked up all these other guys? Because the Pirates about. know they aren't going to win this year. But the Diamondbacks are not going to be winning with Blaze Alexander right now, are they? No. No, I think Blaze Alexander, he's in the conversation to be traded just because I think he's blocked at multiple positions. But I, I just doubt David Bednar would be available now. Now, just talking now, I think a year, two years down the road, you might be right because, I mean, closers are moved all the time. Uh, and it is the Pirates. It's not like I believe in the Pirates. Don't get me wrong. And it's I, just that I you got three and a half years of control over one of the best relievers in the game. You'd be looking for the Aroldis Chapman package that the uh, the Cubs gave up. Remember what they gave up for Chapman? Just Glaber Torres. That's it. No. Yes. It was more than that. It was just Glaber Torres. Is that right? I guarantee you. And if you look at it, it won the Cubs a World Series. So ultimately, the trade worked in favor of the Cubs. Glaber Torres has turned into a pretty established second baseman for the Yankees. Maybe slightly overrated. But it worked out. And it, that was just a rental, too, Steve. We're talking about a dude that you get for the rest of this year and three more in a position that the Diamondbacks have desperately tried to find ever since Mike Hazen became the GM of this team. That trade was headlined by Glaber Torres. You were right. Uh, there were other prospects involved in that deal. I just don't remember. Uh, Adam don't... Warren, Billy McKinney, who's actually surprisingly just now making an impact at the major league level. Adam Warren has gone all um, over the place between yeah. the Cubs and the Yankees. No, it's it's highlighted by Glaber Torres. But you got to remember, Glaber Torres was a mega prospect at the time. And what is he now? Is Brandon Fought a mega prospect right now? But what is Glaber Torres now? He's not an all star. He's, he's an, an everyday player slu- for he's not a silver slugger. He's not a gold glover. No. It's not like they gave up the. They gave up at the time. It's not about what he came became, though. It's about what he was at the time he was traded. Right. What you thought he might be. and what fought. Because that's what the Pirates are going to be thinking about when they acquire whatever it is the Diamondbacks offer for David Bednar. So it's basically, if you're, from the Diamondbacks' perspective, would you rather have what David Bednar is right now or what Brandon Fott could be probably two, maybe one and a half even years from now? Here's maybe the disconnect. I'm not arguing the Diamondbacks shouldn't want David Bednar. I would love to have David Bednar. You just don't want to give up Fott? I don't think that the Pirates want to give up David Bednar. Because I think their organization is coming to the realization that we can't keep giving away all our homegrown talent three years before they reach free agency. And getting back a bunch of lottery tickets that we don't know if they're going to hit or miss. Because they've done that. They did it with so many guys I just listed. Garrett Cole, Jamison Tyone, Tyler Glasnow, Austin Meadows all went on to have more success elsewhere than with the Pirates. So some of those trades were sells. Some of them were buys. The Glasnow-Meadows trade, they bought Chris Archer. Didn't work. And it just floundered right in front of their faces. Didn't work. One of the worst trades. So we'll talk more about trades. We're going to have Alex Weiner, your co-host on Ain't No Fang, and our lead Diamondbacks writer for Arizona Sports. He's going to come on at 1145 and stick with us until about 1215-ish or so. So we'll talk more about trades then. But coming up next, Cardinals fans, you excited? Because everybody's favorite player is back. That's right. We'll talk about him next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Ferreldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch Ferreldis, Steve Zinsmeister, back here in the Oxygen Community Studios. Cardinals camp got underway earlier this week. I believe today is the the back-together practice at State Farm Stadium, open to the public, obviously, for free. Which reminds me, I should bring this up. 
You and I are going to be live from Cardinals camp for next Saturday. Show yeah, that's going to be State fun. Farm Stadium. What is, what is the top thing that you're looking forward to seeing while we're out there at camp? Ooh, um, I think on the defensive side, mostly because Zayvon Collins has been shifted now from middle linebacker to outside linebacker. And I'm curious how it's going to go for him. And I know we're not going to see them like in pads or anything and destroying each other, but it's a position change and it's a big position change for Zaven. Speaking of position changes, that's what mine is as well. Different player, though. Same position coming from, actually, is Isaiah Simmons mm. moving into this safety core that we're going to discuss here for a moment. But, mm-hmm. you know, whereas maybe the top storyline going into camp was Buda Baker's contract situation, we're going to talk about that here in a second. Uh, I'm excited to see how Isaiah Simmons fits into an already stacked safety core because yeah. you have one of the best duos in the league in Thompson and Baker. And I was just reading uh, from Cardinals insider Darren Urban yesterday was talking about how they plan to use Baker more in the box, Jalen Thompson possibly in the slot, and then Isaiah Simmons kind of hanging out in the outfield, basically playing center field. And that's a very new idea because Simmons has not played that position at the NFL level extensively played a lot of safety in college played a lot of everything in college but primarily safety and so I'm interested to see how that mix works so Buddha obviously being the main focus of the Cardinals for the past couple of days and a man of his word he told Com- Com- Cax, Cam Cox holy smokes Sorry, Cam. He told Cam Cox of Channel 12. It's a lot of C's. I know. There's a lot of of C's going on there. Cam Cox of Channel 12 got an exclusive uh, one-on-one interview with Buddha back in May, and Buddha had told Cam that he will be at training camp smiling and ready to go. Well, guess what? Day one of training camp, Buddha was there smiling and ready to go because he got a raise. Yeah. A nice little raise for his current contract, that is. And it it kind of puts things back in perspective, right? Because this all started with like the mention from Mike Garofolo on Good Morning Football that we talked about several weeks ago where the agent basically came out and said, hey, just want to remind everybody, we're looking for a raise over here. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, just, but that's how I took it. We want to be near the top of the safety right. market. We don't want to be the We want to get paid like the big safeties, uh, uh, even though yeah. Baker was already, I think, at the top 10 of paid safeties. Somewhere around there. I get the feeling, you tell me if I'm off base here, okay. I get the feeling that Buddha went into this offseason frustrated with where the organization was as a whole, not being a contender. This guy just wants to win. That's all he cares about. Yeah. But came to the realization that if we're not going to be good, I need to get paid and that needs to be bumped up but i'm buddha baker and i'm a i'm a good guy i'm a good person everybody likes me i'm probably the most liked cardinal on the entire team Mm -hmm. so i don't want to come out and be the one to be like hey i gotta get paid i gotta get mine or else i'm not gonna be here he didn't want to do that so instead his agent did the really i don't have any leverage but just want to remind everybody we're looking to get paid over here and it worked out for all parties involved. And now he's just happy to be able to focus on football, as he told the media yesterday. Exactly. That's that's what the smile was about. You know, it's uh, just to be able to focus on football, uh, be able to focus on the playbook, and you know, uh, meeting my my new teammates and trying to get to get to know those guys and all those type of things. It's been awesome getting to know the coaches as well, and uh, it's, it's been a great experience. And you know, we. Just finished day three or three, I think, and I'm excited. Now, I'm not going to play all of them. There's a bunch of Buddha sound. He was asked a lot of questions relative to the contract and was he happy with what he got? Does he want to be here long term? 
But the general consensus was that he wasn't giving necessarily a lot away and was kind of deferring to what Monty Austin Ford, the GM of the Cardinals, and his agent, David Mulligetta, were doing behind the scenes and kept emphasizing that he was head down, focused on football the whole time. And I believe it. Yeah. At the same time, I believe that Buddha was the one kind of spearheading that he wanted a little more money or a new contract. And you know what? He deserved it. 100%. And we all knew that. That was never the question of whether or not he deserved it. The question was, how were the Cardinals going to go about giving him a pay raise? Were they going to do it in the form of a contract extension? Didn't seem necessary because he's already got a couple years left. This year and next year, I believe. Yeah, Yeah. he's got two full seasons left. So you didn't have to extend him. He was already on the team. Mm -hmm. I mean, you talked about last week, you would ask me, how bad do you want Buda Baker? Well, some people even tweeted the show and were like, how bad do you want him? He's under contract. Like, you have him. But to, to your point last week... He wasn't happy. Yeah. And that's almost as bad as not having him on the team is having him on the team, but not wanting to play for the team. And so I think the Cardinals did a smart thing. They went to Buda Baker and said, listen, you're a workout fiend. You are an animal and you make our team better, but you also make our individual players better. You played through a high ankle sprain last year in a game that we ended up losing. Right. And so they did the smart thing. They went to him and said, listen, yes, we're going to give you a raise. Yes, we're going to give you workout bonuses. Yes, we're going to give you roster bonuses. We're going to give you all that. But we're also going to give you like a ton of workout bonuses where you got to show up and be the guy that you always are. Yeah. Just be you. Don't do anything different and you'll make more money. That's the perfect scenario for Buda Baker. It's a what? It's a best of both worlds kind of scenario where Buda gets his money. That's kind of the end all be all for him. Maybe he'll want the years down the road, but that's something they can talk about next year, right? Sure. When he's in the final year of his deal. Sure. And for Monty, Austin Fort, this is kind of a, hey, you know what? I like you. I'm not really sure about the direction of this team in full yet, but we do know how much of a valued member you are to this organization, and we're going to give you a little extra something for it. The biggest thing being is that, yeah, there's the whole argument of, well, he's under contract for the next two years. But the thing from Buddha's perspective is there was no guaranteed money. And I know you and I as individuals who do the work that we do, we're not crying about other people getting millions of dollars or anything like that. But that's the whole emphasis behind how, behind how much do you want Buddha is how much are you willing to show him that you're not going to like cower to him and his crybaby whining or anything like that. But you're giving him what he rightfully deserves and should earn. The good news about all this was that it never devolved into a Patrick Peterson demanding a trade publicly. Uh, While Buddha reportedly did ask for a trade, it never came out publicly. Like he never actually said the words out loud. If Buddha, you know, ends up playing on the 16th hole when the Waste Management Phoenix Open comes around, he could apologize. Yeah, he could. (laughs) There's ways. But I'm glad this didn't devolve into something much worse because he is the heartbeat of this organization. Agreed. And at a time, I I think the Cardinals are at an interesting pivot point, not just because they have a new head coach and a new GM, but also I think there was this weird period after Larry Fitzgerald was gone where there was no like finality to it. There was no closure to it. And so you lose the heart and soul of the team. And you've got a quarterback that for years they were debating, do we pay him? Do we not pay him? Uh, is he injured? Is he an MVP candidate? It, it was very up and down. And Kyler's not the the kind of guy that everybody rallies around from a, like, this is the best guy on the team and in the clubhouse. That was always Buddha. Yeah. 
And that's not a knock against Kyler. It's just not the guy he is. And so oh. Buddha kind of by default became the heartbeat of the organization mm-hmm. in a weird way. And I'm not saying Buddha's about to be superseded by Kyler in any way, shape, or form, but I will give credit to Kyler. He seems to be doing a lot better in that department, too. You know, he's been a, very good. This it took season. a year post getting the contract that his agent desperately wanted him to get. And then I'm right. sure he desperately wanted to. But Kyler's doing a lot better with the whole. I called it dedicating himself to the Valley thing. You List write, off a couple of things. OK, going to the Suns playoff games. That's an easy thing to do. Right. Going to Coyotes games in Mullet Arena. Going. What was it? He went back to school shopping with a bunch of kids. Yeah. The other day. Yeah. Like he's doing the community stuff that you expect from somebody that's getting a ton of money from a football team. He's putting himself out there and he's making himself a much more affable. Yeah. Likable. Yeah. Likable individual because it, it he didn't come off as a likable individual the first three seasons. He really didn't. Yeah. That's not his fault. It's. It's just the perception gets really wacky when you don't put yourself out there and show people what you really are. And what's more impressive about it to me is that he's doing it at a time where he's not playing. Yeah. Where he's injured. And we know he's going to miss some time. We don't know how much. I've been saying for a while, I just get the vibe that he's going to be back sooner rather than later. Sooner than people maybe think. Uh, I don't have anything to back that up. I just feel that way. Um, But he's doing it at a time where like he can't be out there on the field being the starting quarterback around this team. He can be there and he can be a part of team, uh, you know, activities and all that stuff, but he can't be the quarterback one right now. Mm -hmm. And so to impress people in the ways that you're talking about at a time where you're at a low, I mean, I'm not saying the guy has fallen into a depression by any means, but no, 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 but that's a difficult time in your life, in your career when you can't do the thing you always do, which is run around real, real sneaky. I mean, that's like his secret weapon. As a quarterback, and he hasn't been able to do that for the last, I don't know, six months or whatever it's been. And so that makes it even that much more impressive that he's he's really standing out off the field versus on the field. Speaking of QBs, just want to sneak this in. A couple of uh, camp notes from the first couple of days. Uh, something that stood out from Tyler Drake's notes on ArizonaSports.com and the Arizona Sports app from specifically day two. Uh, Clayton Toon, the uh, rookie out of Houston. Fifth round pick. He right? got he got runs with the second unit on that second day. Colt McCoy did not practice yesterday, but on the day prior he did with the ones. Clayton Toon was with the twos. Can I be honest? Uh huh. I'd rather see Clayton Toon play the first couple of weeks than Colt McCoy. Like start preseason. Like start the regular season. Ooh. Okay. Now we're a long way from that. It's it's certainly not a decision they need to make now. We got time. Uh, and I'm not here declaring that he's a better player than Colt McCoy. I know what Colt McCoy is when healthy, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what Clayton Toon is, and that's part of the intrigue of me wanting to watch him play football. And then last one, uh, Paris Johnson, the uh, number six overall pick, the top draft pick for the Cardinals this year, getting reps at right tackle as opposed to guard. So that's complicated, right? Because Kelvin Beecham is back. Mm-hmm. And Kelvin Beecham played right tackle pretty well last season, and he's certainly one of their better offensive linemen. So if Paris Johnson's playing tackle and not guard, Beecham doesn't play guard, to my knowledge. He maybe could, but I think Paris Johnson's a little bit more flexible in that. He's proved it at Ohio State. He, yeah. did, he did both. I would think that just because he's playing right tackle now doesn't necessarily mean he'll be the starting right tackle. 
I think he's still flexible and versatile enough that they probably slide him to a guard spot for a while. Coming up next, next 30 minutes is all Diamondbacks, all trade deadline, a little roundtable with Alex Weiner of Arizona Sports and the Ain't No Thing podcast. He'll join us next here on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Tuesday, 1 o'clock Arizona time. That is the MLB trade deadline. Now, the deadline has been pretty crazy in the last couple of years. We know that uh, there's been expanded playoffs in the MLB in the last couple of seasons, and it's changed things a little bit. This is a dramatic seller's market. So if you're the Diamondbacks and you're looking to add pieces to improve your team, how do you go about doing that at an odd trade deadline? Well, they have a couple of days to figure that out. Joining us now, uh, he's my co-host on the Ain't No Fang podcast. He covers the Diamondbacks at ArizonaSports.com. He's Alex Weiner. Thanks for being in with us, Alex. Absolutely. I finally got the uh, headphones situation figured out. And we're good <laughs> hey, to go. that's half the battle. <laughs> uh, follow him on Twitter, too, because he's been doing a very good job of keeping us updated, specifically with the injury notes yesterday, at uh, Alex J. Weiner, I believe. For the fans out there? Correct. I wasn't going to do the, the shameless plug, but you can no, feel no, free to no. go Mitch ahead. does that We're all the time. We're all about the shameless yeah. plugging here on this show, <laughs> if none others. So um, can we start here? Philosophically speaking, when you're 3-10 and 10 out of the All-Star break, how does that impact or does it impact what you decide to do at the MLB trade deadline? Yeah, it's tough to say because naturally... You know, you kind of feel like you're in a different position than you were potentially even three weeks ago at this point. Mike Hazen said on Wednesday, he had a media scrum that it, you know, their performance leading up to the deadline over the couple of weeks is not totally indicative of what they may or may not do at the deadline, given the sample size that they've been shown over the first half of the season. Hazen kind of used the phrase like this team deserves, you know, you know, their ability to improve it as opposed to kind of staying pat. But at the same time, I mean, they're no longer in a playoff spot. The Dodgers have taken control of the division at this point. It's a much different situation with them. Uh, and some of this regression, you know, some to the mean, some unfortunate, it's put them in a worse spot. So I, I don't know if it's going to impact them significantly, but maybe you're more or less likely to get somebody, if you are going to make a trade, that helps you down the road as opposed to a rental player who can maybe be more impactful now. I do think it's interesting that point you brought up of Hazen saying this team kind of deserves that, you know, that big addition piece or whatever it may be. But Mike Hazen at the same time also deserves a better performance out of his team right now. Like, as we mentioned, three wins out of the All-Star breaks, not doing you any favors. And they've now slipped below 500 against teams when they played them above 500. It's a very tricky spot, but at the same time, you have to think that they're still in it because the Marlins and the Giants have also been kind of scuffling out of the gate. Sure, yeah, though they're they're still in the thick of a wild card race, but something's gonna have to give at some point. I mean, ultimately, the the last couple of weeks, a lot of different things have gone wrong. It's been as like a lack of sync. It's kind of been my uh, takeaway from it. You know, the pitching, sometimes when they get a great night pitching, the offense isn't there. Right. Last night, Tommy Henry gets jumped on in the first inning, but then he throws five shutout innings to keep them alive, and they just cannot get the big break they need offensively, even though they got guys on base every single inning. The, you know, base running woes in Cincinnati were something that was uncharacteristic. Some defensive miscues that we've seen the last few weeks haven't weren't there in the beginning of the season. So, it, And then, of course, I'm sure you guys have hit on the bullpen a, a bunch of times over the last couple of weeks. So oh, halfway. It's, um, <laughs> it's a lot of different... The bullpen's been getting hit on, too, <laughs> for what it's worth. It's a lot of different 
little stuff that's adding up to just a less clean product than we saw in the beginning of the year, and then some of their offensive players who were raking early are no longer doing so. So it, it's a lot of different stuff, so it's hard to pinpoint, oh, if they fix the bullpen, the team will be saved. That could help, but it's not one solution or the other, really. Part of the difficulty of this trade deadline, or at least the way that things have shaken out so far, and it's still early, is that a lot of rental players have been exchanged. Not a ton of long-term, uh, the guys you're talking about that Hazen might want you know, for a couple of seasons, not a lot of those pieces have moved. Kendall Graveman's got a little bit of control. Uh, I think he's got mm-hmm. two seasons left. Lance Lynn year, has yeah. a club option, but it's very expensive, so I don't know if, the, if they would even keep him in L.A., um, so it feels like the rental market, in particular for relievers, has been fairly cheap, whereas the rental market for starting pitchers has been quite expensive. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also just with the market that we're in right now, there's a lot of teams still in it. And that's sort of another takeaway from Hazen was that he doesn't really he wasn't really sure as of Wednesday what the market was going to look like at that point. Uh, and it's kind of clearing itself up a little bit, but still it's only been a handful of trades at this point. So, but you're right. A lot of teams need pitching. A lot of teams need starting pitching. And so far we've seen that. I mean, I think the Angels deal was probably a little bit of an outlier given some of the other deals that we got. The I mean, Giolito trade? Yeah, to give up your two top prospects for a rental in Giolito uh, and Ronaldo Lopez, uh, that was a pretty steep price for a team that's, you know, desperate to win right now and keep Shohei Otani. While the Dodgers gave up a pretty decent price for Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly, but to the Dodgers, they have more so the means to do that. So every team's in a bit of a unique spot. That doesn't necessarily mean the Dimebacks are going to follow that same exact blueprint. But uh, yeah, there's there's still a plenty of rentals out there, potentially. It's it's just going to be tricky to find what you're willing to give up for two months of a season that may not be like your ultimate chance to win a World Series anyway. That might be coming later. I just get frustrated, though. And I know you two mentioned it on your Ain't No Thing podcast yesterday. But I look at the price of Aroldis Chapman going to Texas. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel like that Kansas City got all that much back. I look at the price that David Robertson went for when he went to Miami. The Mets are very high on those prospects, but we probably won't see them for another couple of years because they're 20 and 19 years old. Mm-hmm. I just I wonder if Mike Hazen has a better understanding of the market now because a lot of these relievers and just the singular individual trades – they're not really going for a lot, and I wonder what the Diamondbacks exactly are waiting for if they're trying to improve the bullpen, given that the better bullpen arms, they don't seem to be going for all that much. Yeah, I, I don't know about waiting. I think, I mean, they're they're clearly making calls, and, you know, they've been doing their due sure. diligence for a couple of weeks now. Just nothing has come to fruition. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Some, some of these bigger-named relievers haven't been going for like the top three prospects in a system or something like that, especially when they're rentals and especially when they're older. Do you think that maybe teams are trying to go more out of the Diamondbacks because the Diamondbacks have a much more luscious pool of prospects to offer, per se, whereas maybe like the Marlins don't necessarily have all that or the Rangers don't necessarily have that same type of capital, whereas if you look at the Diamondbacks, you could say, oh, but we really like this guy, and he's a top 100 prospect right now. Like, I don't know. My two cents on that, I think the Diamondbacks, yes, they have a decent enough farm system, but I think it's top-heavy. Yeah, you have is, a couple yeah. of super prospects in Jordan Lawler, shortstop, Drew Jones in the outfield. Brandon fought a very good pitching prospect, but has not had that level of success at the Major League level yet. Starting today. He's starting today, so we'll see how that goes. Could that play a role in whether or not he gets moved for a piece. I don't know. It's possible. It doesn't feel likely. 
Um, so to answer your question, yeah, they have good pieces people should want. Any conversation around, I don't know, I'm just throwing out names, Marcus Stroman or a couple of weeks ago, like another starting pitcher of that caliber, Dylan Cease, they should have been asking about those guys. But I don't think that the Diamondbacks are in a position right now where they should be throwing those names into conversations for especially rental players, but maybe even not for bigger names. Yeah, I mean, and you guys mentioned off, you know, that you've been talking about David Bednar a lot, and that's yeah. another one. He's a relief pitcher, not a starting pitcher, but if you're the Pirates, you're not dealing him if you're not getting one of those top two guys with so much control left. And back to Mitch's question, I think every team's trying to go to every other team at this point. True, But yeah. given the state of the D-backs farm system, I think Steve's right, it's definitely top-heavy. There's some decent depth to it, but I, I'm not sure you're going to package together some of your kind of like, if you look at the top 30 on Pipeline, for example, some guys in the teens and get, you don't know, Mitch Keller or David Bednar or Eduardo Rodriguez at that point. I, I think team's going to want somebody from the top of that chain, and that's going to be kind of a difficult decision to make with the Diamondbacks, especially given where they have been in the second half and what their prospect is for competing for a championship this year compared to down the line. One name I'll throw out really quick, and I will do more names here when we come back from the next break, but uh, the Chicago White Sox have been the team that's most active. They've Very. given away Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Kendall Graveman. I'm sure I'm missing a couple. Randall Joe Lopez Kelly, Randall Kelly. Lopez. Yeah, they've sold like their entire pitching staff already. We know they're not likely to move Dylan Cease or Michael Kopech, right? But they do have one guy that the Diamondbacks are fairly familiar with. I know where you're going with this. Keenan Middleton. I don't. I, I, who was I don't not like a this. big name with the Diamondbacks. Uh, and clearly they let him go. Not with the Angels either, but okay. Right. Let's keep going. Right. But is that a name that maybe you revisit out of familiarity and say, okay, you know what? Clearly there was something in the tank. We didn't get out of that guy. Maybe we could take another stab at it. Um, not entirely sure. I mean, 382 ERA looks decent. FIP is 470. There's clearly room oh, for regression there. Yeah. He's striking out a lot more batters this year than he had in the past, but the walks are still a little up. Um, the home run rate's down from last year with the Diamondbacks when it was an appalling 2.6 per nine innings, but it's still higher than it's been at any other point in his career. The whip is up from last year. I think there are. I think he's had a very good season, and it's nice to see somebody bounce back after getting let go, but I'm not so sure he's much of a difference maker other than somebody to add depth to the back end of the bullpen and just kind of be somebody else you could throw in the sixth or seventh innings, but maybe not somebody you rely on late. Alex Weiner covers the Diamondbacks with Arizona Sports and one half of the Ain't No Fang podcast with Steve. When we come back, we talked a lot about relievers, but there's a couple of starters that have been linked to the Diamondbacks in recent days. I want to get Alex's thoughts on those guys next on Arizona Sports Saturday.